Theology's Elimination of the Future Kingdom. The theological writings of our time are full of evidence to show how unfairly the teaching of Jesus about the kingdom has been treated. Some of the most distinguished commentators seem to be determined to do away with the eschatological kingdom of which Jesus spoke so habitually. Protests against such whole-scale eradication of Jesus' teaching often appear only in footnotes. They deserve a much wider press. For example, Leon Morris speaks of C.H. Dodd's, quote, realized eschatology, the theory that the kingdom had arrived with the ministry of Jesus and should not be looked for in the future. He calls it unsatisfactory to many. Unsatisfactory? It effectively wipes out the hope of the kingdom to which the whole New Testament, indeed the whole Bible, strains. Leon Morris explains Professor Dodd's theory. Quote, the eschaton, that's to say the end of the age, has moved from the future to the present, from the sphere of expectation to that of realized experience. you find that in the New International Commentary on First and Second Thessalonians. According to Dodd, there is no room in the teaching of Jesus for his real return. The reaction of the ordinary reader of the Bible will be, will be one, I'll read that again. The reaction of the ordinary reader of the Bible will be one of horrified amazement that a professor of the New Testament could reach this conclusion. Morris goes on to say that the theory of realized eschatology, quote, has been decisively rejected by many modern scholars. He quotes J.E. Fison as saying, realized eschatology is frankly and flatly heretical by the standards of a considerable portion of the New Testament evidence. Emil Brunner is equally outspoken. It is clear that the future coming is anything but a piece of mythology which can be dispensed with. Whatever the form of the event may be, the whole point lies in the fact that it will happen. To try to boggle at it means to boggle at the foundation of the faith, to smash the cornerstone by which all coheres and apart from which all falls to pieces. Faith in Jesus Christ without the expectation of his parousia, second coming, is a voucher that is never redeemed, a promise that is not seriously meant. A Christian faith without the expectation of the parousia is like a ladder that leads nowhere but ends in a void. It is instructive to reflect on the alarming fact that a distinguished New Testament scholar could have smashed the cornerstone of New Testament faith. This may lead to further consideration of what some, quote, scholarship is really up to. These words are brilliantly spoken and all too true. The fact is that millions of churchgoers have no grasp at all of the future coming of Jesus to the earth, much less of the reality of the kingdom which he has promised to inaugurate on earth at that time. And yet the kingdom of God and the second coming which will introduce it are the center and heart of the Christian gospel, including Jesus' death and resurrection, of course. In the absence of a clear exposition of the kingdom, there clearly can be no authentic Christianity. J.E. Fison's and Emil Brunner's insistence upon the great future event 
is to be welcomed with enthusiasm. But it is quite unsatisfactory to speak of the kingdom so vaguely, quote, whatever the form of the event may be, when the New Testament and the Old Testament in which it is rooted speak quite specifically. The restored theocracy is described in vivid detail by the prophets. Sufficient is said in the New Testament to prove that the great day of the Lord, which according to the Old Testament will introduce the kingdom, is now associated with the return of Jesus in power and glory. A mass of material is found in the Old Testament describing world events which will precede and follow the day of the Lord. A description of them must await a subsequent chapter. We conclude our present discussion with a summary of its underlying thesis. Any claim that Jesus is the promised Messiah is incoherent unless the term Messiah is understood in its biblical context. There is no evidence in the New Testament that Jesus rejected any part of the role predicted for the Messiah in the Old Testament. He did not, however, at his first coming, seek to take up the messianic office as world ruler. It is a colossal mistake, however, to maintain that he never expected to govern the world as Messiah, the king enthroned in Jerusalem. At his first coming, he called and prepared his disciples for their part in the future kingdom, and then submitted to death at the hands of the hostile Jewish and Roman officials. The resurrection of Jesus, which followed, is the guarantee that he has overcome death and is therefore in a position one day to return to the earth to fulfill the remainder of the messianic mission and realize the prophet's vision of peace on earth. Jesus came back to life after being dead for three days. By many irrefutable proofs, his resurrection from the death was established as historical fact. You'll find that in Acts 1 verse 3. He was in personal contact with the apostles who had known him intimately. As Peter reported, quote, we ate and drank with him after he awoke from death. Acts 10 verse 41. Jesus demonstrated in his own person, I myself, Luke 24:39, that as an immortalized human being, he remained visible, palpable, and corporeal. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have, Luke 24:39. For some six weeks, an immortal human being, the first member of the new creation, socialized with mortals, a preview of the same phenomenon to be experienced on a far greater scale in the coming kingdom. After 40 days, Jesus made his final departure, Act 1, 9 to 11. The Messiah continues at the right hand of the Father to administer his church, whom he invites to share in the messianic glory of the coming age. The failure of theology to do justice to this simple biblical scheme lies in its antipathy to things messianic and thus to Messiah himself and it has therefore lost sight of the central biblical fact that Jesus is the Messiah destined not only to die for the sins of mankind, but to reign over the earth in a future theocracy initiated by his second coming. The primary task of churches, if they are to be the church, is to proclaim that stupendous good news.